Welcome to the Complete Student Podcast, the podcast designed to help you prepare for and manage college. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Complete Student Podcast. I'm your host, Katie Mazzi. In today's episode, I'm joined by Lindsay Huey. Lindsay is an accomplished hydrogeologist who received her bachelor's degree from the University of Notre Dame and went on to receive her master's degree from the University of Nevada, Reno. Lindsay is a leader and mentor in her career field, but her stellar academic performance at one of the most prestigious private colleges in the country also makes her an ideal guest for this podcast. In today's episode, she reflects on the ways she and her family were able to prepare for the financial costs of attending her dream school. We also discuss ways women in science, technology, engineering, and math can excel in both college and career. Let's dive right in. So I would love to hear about your educational journey, if you can recap it for us. Yeah, sure. So I grew up in Elko, Nevada, which is a small place. Um, And my older sister went to Notre Dame, but she was the first student in maybe like 30 or 40 years from Elko that had gone to Notre Dame. So I kind of like to think that my oldest sister sort of opened up my, broadened my horizons as far as where, where colleges, where, where I could go. So I applied to Duke and Notre Dame early and Stanford early decision. Those were like my dreams, like my reach schools, my dream schools. I figured if I didn't get an early decision, I would apply to some of like the state schools in the Western United States after that. But I got into both Duke and Notre Dame early decision and they kind of want like a quick decision. And I honestly think I knew I wanted to go to Notre Dame as soon as I got the the welcome packet like that said I was accepted. It has the dome on it and it says, you know, welcome home. And it just like, I think, I think I knew I wanted to go there, but I spent some time researching and like looking at Duke versus Notre Dame. I did four years of undergraduate studies at Notre Dame and I originally was pre-medicine and I thought that I would do, like I did environmental science because it had a lot of electives. And so I thought that I would do pre-medicine with like the environmental like track so that if I didn't go to med school, then I could still have, you know, kind of a backup plan. And so I got through probably like a couple years of pre-med classes as my electives. And then I was studying abroad in Australia. Notre Dame has a great um, study abroad program. And I was in Perth. And I did a pres- some pretty intense um, biology classes with um, like real labs. That Not that Notre Dame didn't have real ones, but these were just at that level, like a junior level work. And I realized that like really um, hardcore biology and medical school were not going to be for me. So I finished out my environmental studies um, degree at Notre Dame. And I also, I did a minor in poverty studies because Notre Dame just has this like amazing array of classes you can take. And I, as I was going into my senior year, the, it was, the recession was like a big thing and most people were saying go to grad school. So I, um, I applied to hydrogeology programs. I decided that I still was interested in health and public health, but I think that water is really important in the public health realm because a lot of diseases are, are transmitted because there's not clean water for, you know, drinking and for hygiene. So I applied to, I actually talked to professors at a few places, um, like at Berkeley and at UC Davis and at um, University of Nevada, Reno. And what they say in, well, and I think they still say this in science careers, like in science grad programs, like you should not be paying for your science master's degree. Like you should be doing research 
that then pays for your degree. And so if a program, if you're in, in a STEM field, I guess, you know, engineering and sciences, specifically mathematics, that if you're paying for grad school, you've done, maybe done something wrong, or you haven't <laughs> sought out all the funding, because you can either get a research assistantship, um, where your research pays, and then they, they give you a huge cut on tuition, or um, you can do a teaching assistantship. And so either of those ways is a good way to pay your way through grad school. And so I did a master's degree in hydrogeology, which is the study of groundwater specifically. And I actually did my master's thesis on a project, a groundwater project in West Africa. And I got to go there for a couple of weeks, which was really amazing. And while I was starting, while I was finishing my thesis, I started an internship with a company here. And I actually have been not by the same name and the same company, but I've been with the same group of people since I started that internship wow. doing hydrogeology projects in Nevada. Yeah, building a good network. I love that advice too, because I think, you know, students here are the same handful of recommendations over and over like apply for grants go for scholarships and i think sometimes we don't do justice to those more um alternative or lesser known ways of paying for school like like a research fellowship right yeah yeah and that i think is something that was starting to be a thing like while i was an undergrad but i think it's bigger now that you can actually get some of that research funding as an undergraduate student too. It depends on the professor, but a lot of it's about kind of seeking out a professor that has your interests. And then, you know, they usually have some funding and then figuring out where that funding fits in with you and what, what you can work on. So I want to go back to, you know, you had mentioned all of the schools that you applied to and you started with a lot of reach schools, right? A lot of really prestigious yeah. schools. So we know from the literature that, that students have this tendency to undermatch right, where they can handle the academic rigor, they can handle the pressures of a really elite institution, but they're not even applying because they assume, like, I'm not going to be able to afford it. And yeah. to an extent, that's, that's smart, right, to protect yourself financially, but there are resources out there to help students pay for these, for these yeah. schools. So I, I kind of wanted to get a feel for, like, how did you overcome that mentality, right? How did you decide, like, no, I really can apply for these schools that are maybe loftier goals, um, both from like a financial and academic standpoint? Yeah, so for sure with the financial packages, I had watched both of my sisters go through the, the application process and the financial process. And essentially either with the welcome packet or so shortly after I got my you know acceptances, they would send a financial aid packet. And that my parents had like sat down and really explained it to us that it's, it's a combination of your need, you know, based on your parents' income. Um, and they'll match, most universities put, will help you put together a package to match that need. And so it might be fully loans, but it might be loans, it might be work study that you have to take a job, and then it might be some scholarships and grants from the university. And then whatever that difference is, the part that you're supposed to loan or work study, you can try to make up with outside scholarships. And so I just kind of had a clear picture of, you know, what my sisters had gone through. And I guess it just seemed like I wanted to go to those schools and I knew I might come out with loans, but I think that the, like the network and the benefits of going to an, an institution like that in the long run will pay off. And so I thought, I just knew that, you know, regardless of, of what kind of like what the package looked like, that some of it might be loans and I might come out of school with loans, but I thought that it would, it would be worth it. And so I just, I kind of knew that I'd get some financial aid just need-based and I figured I'd make up the rest and I applied, you know, I applied to as many scholarships as I could to, to take away that loan portion of the package. But I knew going in, I guess I just knew that there probably would be some, some loans and I just accepted that that was, that was 
part of the deal. And so I have tried to take that mentality sometimes. And I think I maybe always have, especially like even just applying for colleges, like there's no harm in applying if you, so maybe you don't get in and it was a reach, but maybe you do. And then it's a dream. So I try to take that mentality in my work life and personal life too. And so I think about it and I'm, I think to myself, am I, am I qualified? Am I, you know, if I'm 50, 60% of the way there, and if a man would reach for that goal or that promotion, then I do it too. So, but that is something that, that women really, we, we really want to make sure that we're more than qualified. But I think especially applying for colleges or applying for jobs, it's important to, to reach a little bit and do reach for some jobs or some, some schools that maybe you think you can't get into. And then if you can't, that's okay too. And you can, you can re redefine your goals, but I think it's okay to reach too. And I think that's something that women, especially we don't always do. <laughs> well, I love, and I love that advice. I mean, and there's really three pieces of uh, pieces of advice and picking out there. One is like, you're more capable than you think you are. Right. So like go, yeah. for, go for the things you think that you might not be ready for. Um, but I think what I'm also hearing is, you know, colleges and universities are willing to work with you. Like there's more funding out there than I think a lot of students realize. And I think what I, what's impressive about your situation is you really, you did the research, right? Like you didn't take this commitment lightly. You knew you were going to study something that is in demand in the career field. And that, that name recognition of your school. And like you said, the network that you build mm -hmm. is going to put you in a position where even if you do have to take on some debt, you did, you did the research to know that your return on investment was going to be there, right? You were going to have the yeah. capability to repay that um, and yeah. then come out financially ahead in the long run. Yeah. yeah. I think it's good for students to have that mentality. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely. There's, there's a lot of, a lot of moving pieces and that's something my parents were always really good about. We would discuss potential career paths and potential majors and they, they would ask you know, what kind of job can you get with that degree? If you pick that degree, what kind of jobs can you get? Mm -hmm. And so I think that's something that's really important. I think for a long time, we've encouraged students to dream, reach for the stars and do anything they want to do and follow their passions. And I think that is wonderful. But I think on the flip side of that, most of us need to make a fair living and a fair wage. And we need to think about what what our degree, what the options are. There are, there are some fields that are harder to get a real job in. Like you have to, a lot of them, you know, like the path is to then be a professor. And my parents pointed that out to me, like, you know, that some of those kind of more obscure fields, which are fine to study, but they might not have like a really specific job path after them. You might have to, you know, think that, do you want to be a professor in that in that realm or, or is there like, are there jobs where you can move from place to place? Um, things like that. They really made us think about that. And I think, I think that's something maybe we don't do enough with, with our, our, you know, potential college students. It's, it's like list out your majors, but then, you know, make a tree and how many jobs with each of those majors can you do? And do those jobs afford you, you know, flexibility to move or would you be stuck at one university or would you be, tied to one very specific, I used to actually think that I wanted to do nonprofit um, water and I still try to do nonprofit water projects and things like that on the side. But going to Africa actually really made me realize that that non sort of nonprofit path either had to be international 
or geographically located in places like Washington, D.C., or the East Coast, where those kind of nonprofit and lobbying jobs are. And that's, for me, is just not really a fit. I love the West Coast. And so that's something I don't think I even realized until grad school and, like, actually traveling abroad that I think I want to do those projects on the side, but they're maybe not going to pay the bills and they're not going to be in a location I want to be in. And so that's, those are some things I think we should maybe exercises that are good to go through when you think about schools or grad schools. It's like map out, okay, this is the degree title. And then what actual jobs are there? Are there consulting jobs? Are there federal government jobs related to it? Are there, you know, academic jobs related to it? Those are kind of the three main, you know, paths. I think you can go private, you can go, you know, public or, or government. And then there's usually like the academic side of things. And so you kind of have to think about what path you're following and then what you want in the, in the end, what kind of job do you want to end up with and what, what degree will get you there? Yeah, that was transferable. That's really smart advice for parents, especially. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. So you mentioned you know, there's, there's need-based financial aid from your college, your, your package might include things like work study or grants. Um, and then what you, what you don't get in that type of aid, you can make up for in private scholarships. So where were you able to find those scholarship opportunities? Like what's your advice if you're speaking to a high schooler who's looking for those, those scholarships? Yeah, so in Elko, we were really lucky. We had a, a, a dedicated, professional that put together a package of scholarships for us at our high school. And I think that most high schools, I could be wrong, have a person who's in charge of coordinating college scholarships. You know, they help you like look for scholarships and they'll send your transcripts to different institutions. And so our administrative person that did that was really on top of it and would put out like a monthly and, and they still do this at Elko High School they put out a monthly newsletter and it has all these scholarship opportunities in it that are both local and national um, so I think I would supplement that a little bit with just kind of online research for different things especially once I picked a field you can look like specifically for scholarships tied to that that field of study or you can look for those like national broad ones and then I applied for a ton of local ones and I used to complain, I would just, you know, essay after essay, I would apply for all of them. Anything that I was like even remotely qualified for, I applied for all those scholarships. And my mom, one day I was complaining about writing another essay or whatever, I was filling out the application and she was like, Lindsay, if you spend one hour on this application and you get $500 or $1,000, like think of how good that hour was spent. Think of that, how well that you'd spent that time. So I think that's something too. It is, you know, especially as, as a senior, it feels, feels like you have all this other stuff going on and you want to be enjoying high school and spending time with your friends and you have a, a rigorously, you know, an academic schedule that's very rigorous. And on top of that, you're supposed to be writing all these essays and doing all these applications. But if you just think, you know, one of those, one of those hours or two of those hours you spend can equate to a lot of money, then it's really worth it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I tell students the same thing. Like if you could go get a part-time job and make 10 bucks an hour, or that, yeah, the, the time that you're spending on a, a scholarship application pays a lot better if you get it. And that's the thing about college admissions and scholarships. I feel like once you've written a set of five or six essays, you kind of have covered most of your bases for all of the applications. And so you can like edit them and, and move them around. And like once you've, once you've done the work at the beginning, it's easy to just tailor them to the other schools or the other scholarships. So you just have to do the work out, outright up front and then just keep applying. And you're totally right. Most high schools do have like a scholarship advisor. 
Um, our website, completescholarships.org, for any students and parents who are listening, they um, we have an aggregated list of state and local scholarships as well. And then you're right, there are tons of search engines out there for national opportunities that you can pursue. Yeah. So um, what advice would you give for, you know, we kind of touched on this already, you, you decided to go into a science, technology, engineering, math, the STEM field. What was that experience like as a woman, either, you know, in your classes or just in the career field in STEM? Because I know women are highly underrepresented in those career fields. Um, what advice would you have for, for other girls and women who are looking to go into STEM? Yeah, that's, that's a good question. And I really didn't encounter a lot of the, the discrimination or the, that hierarchy of, of fields that men are, are really ingrained into until, until I started working as a hydrogeologist. And so most of what I do is groundwater modeling and environmental impact statements for mining and energy projects. And one of my, my most vivid experiences is I went to a, like an exploration and mining conference while I was pregnant, like pretty pregnant. And people were, men were staring at me like, like I was a unicorn, you know, like it's that, it's real. Like that, that, that disparity is very, very dominant in some fields. And even like going out in the field into these remote drilling locations as a woman, you definitely, the drill rigs, the, the drill teams don't see women in that kind of supervisory role that often. And so for me, there's a couple pieces of information. When you're working with people like that, that's like very male dominated out in the field, I was always very careful to just like try to get to know people on a personal level. And then another piece of it is, is just like, just that awareness that, you know, if you go pregnant to a mining conference, it's going to be a little bit uncomfortable for a lot of those men. But but I think if you just you just have that mentality and you know where you're coming from and you just keep your head up and you keep, you know, you focus on doing a good job on the work that you do and making connections and networking with people and, you know, just 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 know that that you're underrepresented and just be aware of it. I think that's really important. And then I think a really important thing that I've done, and it took me a number of years to even realize that I'd done this, but you you have to surround yourself with it with a good team. And that team is going to be, you know, men and women alike, but mostly men. And some, something I've noticed is that a lot of people take their work very personally. And I learned very early on, like in a STEM career, not to take criticisms personally, especially when they're coming from a different tone or a different perspective than I'm ready for. I just, it's like, it took me a number of years to figure out that it's not personal. Like when someone has a problem with a project or they're critiquing something you've done, it might not sound the way you want it to sound, but it's most of the time it's, it's not personal. It's about the work. And so I really try to focus on keeping my head up and keeping the conversations about the work at hand and keeping in, and keeping the criticisms on the work and not, not personal and not taking things personally. So that's, those are things that have worked for me is like surrounding myself with a good team and just like accepting challenges head on. That's something I do. And I, that's something I've loved about the groundwater modeling field is there's, there's so many interesting things. The projects are so challenging. The mining projects particularly are really, you know, really different and challenging and constantly evolving. And so just accepting those challenges head on is something I think that's really important for women to do when they, when they break into these science and, and technology fields. It took me a good number of years before I felt like I was really seen and heard and respected in the position that I was in, but I got another job offer. 
And I presented that salary to my current employers, fully intending to leave. And they did better than it and told me how much I was appreciated. And I mean, it was just, it was like a turning point for me because it's like that thing that women don't always do, like negotiate their salaries or, or reach for the stars. But I just like happened upon another opportunity and it was good. And when I brought that to my current group of people that I worked with, I, it came to light, like how important I was to the team and how much more they were willing to pay to keep me on the team. And so that's another thing that women, I think, hesitate on negotiating salaries and checking comparable salaries in the industry and in the field that they're in. And then they hesitate to try to negotiate those raises. But it, for me, it was a turning point in my career, not just financially, but to be seen and heard and respected as, as an equal level colleague. Yeah. And to not be afraid of advocating for yourself. Yeah. 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 Yeah, definitely. I did find a group here that I, before I had babies, I was more active in and it was like, there, there are lean in groups based on the book, mm -hmm. but there's like this whole network and, and every, almost every city, there's a group of, of lean in women. And here, like in Reno, there are several, there's like an, a wise women, they call themselves like the retired kind of age. And then they broke it into several groups, but it was actually really helpful for me early career to go to some of these meetings with women and there was a different topic every week and we would kind of just talk about that topic and how it applied to us. And you just, you, you got to see like women in different stages of their careers and how they were handling things. And for me, it was really helpful to see that. And it's something like someone else recommended to me. I didn't even know that that, that lean in network existed. And they, I still get the emails and things. I haven't been as active in the in-person group here, but it was really helpful to see, like, to see people just at different career stages and go to the events and, like, hear the speakers. We had some amazing female speakers that would give presentations. And they, it's, it's that kind of, it's that kind of being seen and being heard. And then, you know, having, talking to people with similar experiences and seeing how people, how women are handling these things. And, and kind of lifting each other up. So it was really helpful just to talk to other women and see what their what their path looked like and what their what their focus was on and how they how they navigated all of that. And I think that's that's there are resources like that that I don't think we always know are available. You know, yeah. Lindsay, this was so Good. fun. Good. Good. Well, happy. I'm happy I could help. Okay. Thanks again for doing this. Yeah. You're welcome. Bye. Bye. I'm so grateful to Lindsay for her time and insights. If you're a student pondering whether you should apply for a college you think is out of reach, or specifically if you're thinking about a career in STEM, I hope this discussion helped inspire you to chase your dreams. To learn more about preparing for college and finding financial aid, visit our websites, completefinancialaid.org and completescholarships.org.